I'd love to introduce our speaker this morning, Todd Rose. Todd and his son Artur are all the way from Saratov, Russia with us, and Todd is going to bring a wonderful message uh, to us this morning, so would you welcome Todd? Thank you. Good morning. Happy New Year as well from me. Uh, our church in Russia is actually just probably ending our service right now in Russia. Boy, in Russia, there's really, there's a small Christmas, but our, our New Year, I mean, my friend Dima from another church is with me. He could tell you more, but man, New Year's is a big party. We could never have this many people in church. We did it on Sunday morning on New Year. Um, it's like Christmas, Thanksgiving, and New Year's, and the 4th of July all mixed up, in, up into one year. You save money for months to, to have just a, just a huge table full of great food and, and uh, fireworks at 12 o'clock. And it's, the party starts about 8 o'clock at night and ends about 8 o'clock in the morning. So, I mean, there are probably more people that hadn't gone to bed yet than there would be people that went to bed to come to church. So it's, uh, it's great to have you today. As Ross said, and I know many of you, but some of you I don't, I'm... I grew up here in Western Ohio, even though I know it doesn't sound like that at times. Um, I've got this accent for me in Russia since 1997. Uh, I grew up here. I went to graduate from Otterbein College, really pretty local guy here until I went to, uh, went to Russia. And if you think my accent is, is, is strong, wait till next week when one of my, just a, just a wonderful friend from a neighboring church, his name's uh, Pastor Andy Saberhagen, he'll be with us next week speaking, and just a, I'm really, this would be one week you wouldn't want to miss next week, he's a wonderful speaker, and uh, a wonderful man of God, so um, I work, my main job in Russia is, I've been there a while, but I'm, we have uh, six pastors and elders, and I'm one of, one of those leaders of our over, overall organization of churches there, we're one of the largest churches in Russia, and in, in certainly in, in the state of Saratov, or the surrounding states. It's about, from here to there, it only takes about 38 hours to get there, but most of that's on the plane and then, and then another 16-hour train ride. So, but don't let that you know, keep you away from, from coming this summer. We have a trip planned. And now really, it's like, what, nine-hour flight from, Moscow, from New York to Moscow and a few hours there resting and then take another train, the 16 hours on the train. You won't remember that because you'll be sleeping most of the time. Um, but, uh, but then you'll be in our place. It, it does take about 38 hours front to back. But in July, we've got, we're looking for about 10 people. Uh, this, our church quest is sponsoring a trip to, to come out to us to really help, help me and what we're doing there. My main responsibilities are with the, to grow in our Russian church, but also just over the last few years, we've had just a ton of international students that have come to Saratov. Our, Saratov is, is really an, uh, a university town. We've got universities all throughout the city. And all of a sudden, just when the, within the last few years, right now we probably went from having zero students uh, from outside of Saratov to about 3,000 mostly African students that are with us now. So uh, three years back, we started an English service in our church with about 12 people. And uh, last week we had a service about um, some 150 people came. So it's, it's been a great thing to be a part of. My main responsibility is there to really to pastor and shepherd the international students there, mostly from Africa, some from India and some, some Russians as well. So come out with us next summer. And we're going we're gonna to do uh, like a, say a four or five day camp probably where we're inviting international students from all around Russia to come and be with us. And then one of our sister churches that we started a number of years back they just finished building a building, and we're going to do some, some outreach and some servant evangelism and, and things like that to really give a shot of adrenaline to this, to this church of ours. So I'll, we'll probably have another meeting before I leave at the end of the month, so if you're interested, be praying about it, and then look for some, for, for some advertisements about that. Amen. If you could 
Turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And just want to share with you one, ver- just, uh, one section of scripture that's, that's really been just strongly on my heart for a number of months now. It's a, it's a sec- section of scripture that I'm sure you're, you've, re- you've read before. But it's just God has really placed the, uh, the importance of it on my heart just a, a number of months back. And I honestly feel that it's, um, it's really f- from... From God that we're here even on January 1st today. Just a day of kind of fresh starts and new beginnings to really focus on what God would have for us individually for this coming year. Turn with me, Matthew 5, verses 14 and 16, and read with me. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, again, in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your, see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And there are just a few observations I, I would make, to, uh, four of them, in fact, that I'd make with you from this, the, from this section of Scripture. Number one is you've got to know that you are the, the light of the world. Jesus says that, that you are the light of the world. In fact, it seems to me that the very best gift that he could give this city, uh, uh, the, the spiritual darkness in this city, in this region, the places where you are, is you. You are the light that God sent. Some of you were born here. Some of you were sent here. Some of you got jobs here. Some of you came to school here and have stayed. And it was God's great plan. The very best plan that he had to change the spiritual darkness in this place was you, the light that he sent. In fact, again, you are the very best gift that he could give to this city, to your family, to the people around you. My son, when we were, he's here with me. He's been here when he was two and a half, so he really doesn't remember America. But he being here for Christmas, it was really kind of easy to be super dad at Christmas time this year. Because we don't have probably, well, I took him into Toys R Us. And I just said, son, uh, is there anything here that you want? And they just, I mean, they, we, you, have to, you have to understand that you have thousands more choices than we do for, in terms of Christmas gifts. It'd be like going to, I don't know, pick something, the Cheesecake Factory, and the only thing on the menu would be cheese, fish, and soup. I mean, it's just, this is this. I mean, and so he, he looks in, and there were so many things to choose from that, that he couldn't make a decision. And then finally, at the end, he said, I'll take it all. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, he knows now I'm talking about him, but his English isn't so good, so we can have a little fun today without, without getting in trouble. Um, and so at Christmas Day, we kind of, we open up like three boxes. We do the frankincense, golden, myrrh thing. So, and sometimes we got like eight, eight gifts inside of one of the boxes. But he opens up one box, and it's, it's a $17, like one of those little Nerf dart guns, right? And so he gets it like one-third of the way open, and he sees like the, the he, he already figures it out. And he gets it, he doesn't even finish unwrapping it. And he just, he turns and looks at me, and he says, I dreamed about having a gift like this. You know, I, or I dreamed about opening up this gift. And he just jumps on my neck and, and hold, I said, well, finish opening it up. And he opens it up and, and he just, he turns around again and he jumps on me again and my family's taking pictures. And, and he said, wow, this is a great Christmas. 
And I said, you haven't, this is just a start, bud. I mean, and when he, when he opened up the, when he opened up the, the, the Lightning McQueen little car that, you know, talks and his eyes move when you do the remote control. I mean, listen, our family, uh, maybe it's like yours if you've got sons around my, his age, six. It's like there's Jesus Christ, family, and Lightning McQueen. It really isn't. And, and I hope that it's that order. Sometimes I, I wonder. But uh, so when he opens up that gift, it was, yeah, I'm super dad at that point. And, 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 and so the best gift, that, that God can give according to this scripture to me this, the best gift that he gives the people of this town is you you are the light of the world no matter what your Uncle Bob said at your Christmas party or no matter what people at your office say no matter what MSNBC says about people with faith like us no matter what the bloggers say about us you have to know you are the light of the world you're the very best and I, I, mean, I think you should receive that humbly. But you are the very best gift that God can give the people of this world. And you see, that's a, that's a revelation to, to the people where I live back in, and where I spend 95% of my time back in Russia. Is because, I mean, we're, if you are a believer like yourself, if you were transplanted into Russia, you would be seen as just a, just a strange person. I mean, to, uh, the, the, the scriptures say that we're supposed to live as strangers in this world. But when you live as strangers, sometimes people think you're a little bit strange, right? And they see that. It's kind of like, it'd be like if, um, how, how I kind of view the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses. Although I have, I have kind of pity for them sometimes. They, although the, the Russian culture won't have pity for us. They look at us as, as deceivers, as a cult member that's really just kind of coming in and trying to... Uh, steal people from their, from their churches or to deceive people in order to, to make money ourselves. And so really to be a believer, to be, you're really looked down upon uh, in that society. I, I tell you, you know, sometimes the, the weddings are so hard uh, to be a part of a wedding. And unless it's a really good friend of mine anymore, I don't go to, to Russian weddings. Um, it's just so hard because you're sitting down and they say, uh, toast to the, the, the bride and groom. And they always love each other and be, have passionate love and, you know, so that they'll be always tied together. Hey, have a toast. And they look over me and I've got Mountain Dew. I mean, praise God that even in Russia there's Mountain Dew. But, um, and, so, and, the guy, and they'll say, that's not, a, that's not a real toast. I mean, give him, give him a double shot of, of vodka. You, you have to toast to the bride and groom. If you don't toast to them, you don't want them to have a, a good loving relationship. And I said, I'm thinking that... I mean, I think the Mountain Dew toast will do just as well as the, as the vodka toast. No, no, no. Give, this, give him a shot. He's going to drink right now to this family. And we've, it almost comes to blow sometimes. It really does. And that's all right. I'm okay with that too. But, um, and, and, and so I've learned to, to really have to, I mean, it's almost you just have to force your ground and say no. And then the next toast will be, okay, fine. Here's a toast that they'll have many kids and they won't be infertile. You're going to toast to that, right? If not, you, want, you don't want them to have any kids. And so, Russia, it's a, it's a difficult place for, for Christians, to, uh, for, for believers, for followers of Christ to live. If you're going to, uh, I mean, the, what, the, what the people say about us is sometimes, incra- is sometimes crazy. In my daughter's school, uh, the, she's in seventh grade, the Orthodox priest came into to our school and, and said, you know what, I just, I really want to encourage you to, to grow in your Orthodox Christian faith. 
And I want you to know that there are people in this school and even in this classroom that go to a strange cult or a strange sect called Word of Life. That's what our church is called. And we won't say who it is, but, um, and we would never point out that person, but we won't say who it is. But uh, you really need to, to make a wise decision of who your friends are going to be. Because as go your friends, so go you. So be really careful of who the friends that you're really hanging out with are. It's a difficult time. And uh, do you with me? And even we work with, I mean, I work with day to day some of the greatest some of the greatest Christians there are out there. And that's these international students that have come from, I mean, every given Sunday we've got probably 18 different nations represented in my church, mostly from Africa. And, and they're even, they even have it tougher. Not only are they cult members, uh, but they're, they're, they're uh, can I even say they're Africans that have come into what, what uh, many Russians, not all, but many Russians would consider like a, a superior culture to maybe like the African culture. And there is that kind of, that kind of belief there in Russia. And so we've got my, my worship leader, his name's Henry. Just a great guy, 23 years old from Ghana. Just a wonderful man of God. And when he was coming to Russia, he said, God... What am I going to do there? It's kind of, and he's thinking it's a strictly atheist society. And it kind of is um, when you really get down to it. And, and he's, he said, I'm an African. How can I be a light in the darkness that I'm coming into? You follow me? He said, how can I do it? And, and he came and it's tough one time. People were just driving up next to Henry. And, this, and, and they said, get in the car. And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. Even in Russia, he knew how to say, Nyet, no. And, uh, and, he, and he says, no. And they start, start speaking to him in bro- broken English, and he's back in broken Russian. And he says, we're going to teach you. How, we're not going to do anything strange to you. We're, we're, we're just going to teach you how to drink like a Russian does. You have to, as a foreigner, you gotta, you're in Russia, you've got to learn how to drink like a Russian. And he said, look, I follow Christ. Uh, I love, you know, that's not going to happen. They said, yeah, we're Christians too. And they pull out their crosses, and they've got icons in their car because the icon kind of protects them from from getting in accidents. I mean, that's what they think. So, um, and they said, get in the car. Come on, we got, we're going to teach you to drink like a Russian. You're here in our culture. You must learn how to drink. If you don't, then you got two choices. Either drink or be drunk. Yeah. And, and he says, I'm, it's not going to happen. And they, they beat him. And it's a, it's a tough place to be for a believer, but it's even a tougher place to be for, for, a, for a foreign student to, to be a believer. But, but Henry got down on his knees as he was... A new student in, 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 in Russia, in Saratov. And he said, God, I want to be a light to this world. I want to be a light to this place. I don't know how. I, I can't see how it's going to happen. But use me as a light here. Use me as a light. And i got to tell you, whether in America or in Russia or wherever I've been, he's probably the best worship leader I've ever worked with. He's just he's fantastic. And he's a young guy. He just loves God with all of his heart. He may not be the, the most talented, but you'd never know it. I mean, he's just a, he's a wonderful worship leader. And last week for, uh, for Christmas, we had more people in our church than probably ever we've had before. And Henry led our, uh, our entire Christmas program. And we asked him to, to lead it. He pulled together like a 40-member Russian choir, uh, choir, a 40-member African choir. And they sang different songs and they, and they bled them together. And we had so many non-believers in our church. We had so many friends and family that hadn't been in our church for a long time. And at the end of it, he calls me and he says, I'm so humbled that how God could use me. And, and I can say that if Henry can be a light in that culture, anybody can be a light. And the truth is, no matter what, the world says about you or about people like us. If, though it seems clear that the TV and the news are not going to be speaking highly about us in the near future, at least it seems like that. it's not getting better. It seems to me that you got to know 
that the very best gift that God could send in this city is you. Because why? You are the light of the world. Now, I mean, this church is a great light, but it's only a great light. It's only as bright a light as the individual use in this room and in, and in this church. Do you hear me? God's Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Ross, Todd, Scott, Dima, Pam, you are the light of the world. You follow me? Point number two is it seems to be getting darker and darker outside. And, it's, and I think it's true that there's no greater time for the lights to be used than in the darkness. Do you follow? It's, and if, if I could say anything to you today, I'd say this, that there's, there was the, 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 the light of Goshen, where the Hebrews lived in the times of Moses. The light of Goshen was probably never, never brighter, never more impactful, never more st- uh, stronger than in those three days when, G- when Egypt was completely dark. Do you follow me? Egypt just says it was so dark for three days that you just, it wasn't just dark to the sight, you could feel the darkness. And I can tell you as a, as a church in Russia, some of the greatest times of our church, and I think throughout church history, has been when the, when the whole world around us is, is dark and getting darker, but the church is trying to, be, trying to be a light in that darkness. Do you follow? I'll tell you, there was a time where, where uh, the $1 used to be six rubles when I first moved over. $1 was six rubles, and then... Um, Within the, the Russian government defaulted on their loans and within a month it, it went to 30 and then to 34. So people that had been saving for cars had trouble buying a refrigerator. If you were, people that had a, this, this, this idea that we'd go outside in the streets and I would talk to people, my friends, my neighbors at the time. This is back in 1998. And I'm talking to people and they would look at me as an American and they'd say, well, it's, it's great that you're here, but you got things a little backwards. Don't, we don't need Christianity. We've kind of got that. We, don't, we really don't need that. What we need is investment banking. We need more investment. When, we need Russia to, Russia will be great again. It'll be the superpower again when we get our economy up and running, when prosperity comes back. It'll be like the old days. It's just, we need probably 20 years for it to turn around, but don't don't bring us the Bible and, and Christi- Christianity. Bring us investment. And then one, within one six-week period of time, you could feel just a, just a massive change in the, in the atmosphere of Russia with the end of this myth that all we need is, is prosperity. All we need is financial turnaround, and then everything will be back to the way it was. And you know what? We had so many people kind of just rush into our church. Just, it, was a, it was a dark time. People didn't know. I, there were people on the news saying that the dollar's probably going to go to 100. I mean, imagine if, I mean, really, literally, if you have, if you had your, your rubles were worth one-sixth of what they were worth, the, you know, a month before. If you, if you put your money in a mattress to sock it away, it became just a filler in your mattress. That's about all it was good for. And, and the, the question was, how worse is it going to get? Woods had stabilized at 34, but people would come into our churches. And there, there's panic on outside in 98. And people would come into our churches and find, find peace, find joy. And they, would find it, they found, not theater, but they found a, a real congregation that, that would just had a joy of God that, that came from the idea that if he clothes the lilies of the valley and if he feeds the birds of the air, certainly he'll do the same for us. And they, he'll never leave us or forsake us. 
that he calls us his very own. He calls us his children. And we had a church that just praised God and worshipped him and honoured him. And, and people that are coming in kind of knees shaking and, and, and chewing on their fingernails. And just to see a, a true church that was, was going out to be a light, but also being a light when, when the darkness came to us. Amen? It's, a, it's getting... It doesn't take a, a guy that's been spent most of the last 15 years out of the country to come back and tell you that it's, it seems to be getting darker here. My son and I were coming back. We're flying into JFK Airport this time in New York. And we went through customs and we checked our bags or whatever. And we're getting ready to go to our flight to Columbus. And, and so there's a bunch of people doing the same thing. And a guy comes running behind us. And uh, you just, you just intuitively you feel, oh, his, his wife or his girlfriend's waiting up ahead. And uh, he just running up. And I'm thinking, this is going to be fun. I like reunions. I like seeing this. And, um, and then there was a, a, another man with about 24 roses in his hand just uh, waiting there. And the guy runs up and the, he gives them the roses. And they start really passionately kissing right there in the middle of the airport. I mean, just really, uh, you know, husband and wife type stuff. And, and I, 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 it took me a few seconds to really process it. And our tour started to turn towards them. I like pulled them away. And we went uh, to the right. And we had a, there were a bunch of Russians around us. And the Russians started talking. They're like, hey, welcome to America. And they didn't know that I spoke Russian too. And I, and I, and I said something back. And they all got very red in the face kind of thing. But, but it was a, a really an eye-opener to me that you can see that certainly in my 40, 41 years of life, um, no hurries, uh, this is certainly the darkest spiritual time of, of my life. You can, you can feel it, can't you? And I think that maybe the church in, in Russia has somewhat of a, an advantage uh, in this idea of, of being a light in the darkness. Why? Because, I mean, it's so dark there. It really is. It's a dark, it's a dark place. There are more churches in this zip code than we have in our entire state of Saratov. And that's, uh, our state is bigger than the state of Ohio. There are more Christians on, within a mile of this church right now that are in church on Sunday than, than there will be in our, in, our, in our entire city, probably state. We would think we have a population of a million. So if we had 10,000 people, we had 1% that came to church on Sunday morning. And that includes Orthodox as well. Um, if we had 1% that was in church on Sunday, we would think that, that revival had hit our city. We really would. And one-third of all the, what we call the Bible-believing I mean, evangelical or Protestant Christians, one, probably closer to one-half of all those in our city and our state come to one, come to one of our churches. I mean, it's a dark place. Even those that are faithful to, to, to go to, say, the Orthodox Church, it's kind of odd. Uh, it's, it's, it's not really Christian. I would even call it like a, a deceived confidence in their faith. And I'll explain why. Our Bible school, uh, we have one every year. And um, around Easter time, we sent our students out to do a survey. And we asked them, one of the questions we asked was, how often do you go to church? Now, I mean, 95% of everybody said Christmas and Easter, like twice a year. And, and, but there were very few. There was like 40 people out of 1,000 that said they go to church more than once a week. And it, so we re- I really wanted to look closely and see how these people answered their Answered the other questions. And another question around Easter was, what happened at the first Easter? What happened at the first Easter? We gave them some choices. Jesus resurrected, you know, just, just like the Bible teaches. Um, what else? He was died and buried, and that's it. His body's still in the grave. Number three was, it's all a myth. There was no person named Jesus. 
the disciples stole the body. He was practicing yoga on the cross. That, all the, you've heard these things, right? So um, we asked, and I, lo- I looked at the results for these people that go to church more than once a week. Now, these are already just the absolute fanatics of the town. If you go to church more than once a month, that's crazy. But if you go to church more than once a week, wow. And so I looked at their answers. Do you know what the number one answer was for people that went to church more than once a week? The disciples stole Jesus' body. And, and my, I, my instant reaction when I was talking to people like this, and then, and then our own people that were talking to him, we said, well, why would you go to a church that's built on the deception then? I mean, if the disciples stole the body and they created this grand lie, I mean, why would you go to a church like that? And their answer was really simple, three, three words, just in case. Just in case. If it's all true... Just in case God will see that I'm so faithful, I'm going to, I go to church and I light a candle and I come back a few days later. God will see my faithfulness. And when we all get to it, if, I, if Jesus is the one I meet at the gates, I'll be, I'll be okay. I'm, I'll be safe. Right? And that's why most the folks in, in Russia, the, even the most dedicated ones, that's their depth of, of Christianity. It's a dark place. And our church, we feel it. We know it. We, you, you don't have to... Question yourself and say, is this a dark spiritual place? Oh, my goodness. It's very dark. You can feel it. And we've got an advantage because we, we know that it's dark outside. And we know it. But the second advantage is, is we know it really is basically up to us to change it. There aren't these, there aren't other churches. There really aren't other believers that are going to change it. We take this, you, very personally. It says, you are the light of the world. If I, if I don't do it. Maybe nobody else will. Whereas I'm not so sure that but that's the case here. There are so many different choices. There are so many other uh, believers. That, and there are so many other churches that we can maybe rely on other people. Friends, remember, it says here, you are the light of the world. To your friends, to your coworkers, to your family, to your, your neighborhood, you are the light of the world. And I can tell you it's, you can feel, you can feel the darkness. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to make one of one or two mistakes when we find ourselves in the darkness. Sometimes we can kind of ease our way into getting used to it. Kind of like well, if we turn the lights down really, really dark right now, it would seem dark at first. But after a while, everything would get back to normal. We'd, we'd be able to start seeing from, from the back. And, you know, I'd be able to see from front to back even, even though it seemed dark at first, right? And I think sometimes we can do that. We don't necessarily feel that it's, that it's super spiritually dark outside. And so we just kind of maybe fit into the, maybe not the dark dark, but just find the gray areas where it's not quite so dark and kind of get used to it. And not, not, and not think that you're there to make it change. You're there just to kind of fit in. I think the other tendency is to put like a defensive perimeter around yourself and know that you want to be comfortable, that the light in the light places, that's where we're most comfortable, right? And so we, we kind of put a, a wall around us and we, and we engage in activities and we, and we organize our friends and all the activities that we do is, is really activities of the light. And we kind of do what kind of maybe like the Amish do inadvertently and we kind of separate ourselves, separate ourselves from, from the darkness. And, but we're, but we, even though we're remaining in the light, we're not impacting the darkness at all. Do you hear me? Listen, torches are during the daytime. They're laying down. They're on the floor or they're hanging up useless. They're, they're just, they're not ready. But when it's, when it's sunset, when it's nighttime, the torches come to life. The torches say, this is our time. 
This, the, see, the torch was made for the darkness, and, and you, as a light, were made for the darkness. You really were. <laughs> if you want to test the candle power of your light, the best time to, to test it is not one and a half hours on Sunday morning, or if you're super spiritual, another couple hours on Wednesday night in home group. Right? If you want to test the candle power of your light, put it in the darkness. Put it in the pitch black. That's where you'll know how strong your candle is. You follow me? There are another 165 hours of the week where you're to test your candle power. You follow me? This place is a great place to, to, to rub shoulders with people that have, have a brighter light than you are to help your flame grow. But it's not the place to live out your your, exclusively live out your your candle life. That's outside these doors. Amen. John three nineteen says, "This is the verdict: Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil." I really do believe. Let me say it again: that some of the church has such a great opportunity to be a light to the world, to reach out to this world as the world becomes. Deeper and deeper engulfed in darkness. Kind of like ships without a compass. The, the church can be such an amazing place of, of light, of hope, of, of joy. As we reach out to them. As we, as, as we desire to be a light into their darkness. Number three is have no part of the darkness itself. There's kind of a, a double reason not to, for Christians not to be a part of light. We know better. We do, and the darkness is a terrible place to be for, for a believer. In fact, in, in, in Saratov, <clears throat> the city was trying to save money some time ago, and they, were, they would turn off the lights, and turn off the electricity from like 11 o'clock at night until 6 in the morning. It just completely turned off, and the city was trying to save money. And you know what they found? Is that by, by turning off, whatever money they saved by turning off the lights, they spent in cleaning up graffiti and crime expenses. And what they learned is they actually saved money by turning the lights on earlier and turning them off later. Does that make sense? Because in the darkness, in that darkness is where, is where the acts of evil reign. And the darkness is certainly not the place for a believer to be. We don't want to be in darkness. My son is... And he can't understand me. So, and if he does, I'll kind of use bigger words so he can't. But um, he's, he's sometimes afraid of the dark. And we've been trying to deal with it. And, and uh, my wife is better at it than I am. And, and so one time he was, uh, we were, it was dark out. And we were inside. And I told him to go into his room. He wanted to get a car out of his room. And, and I said, well, just go in and get it yourself. And he goes, I can't. It's, it's too dark. I can't do it. And I said, you can do it. Come on. I mean, Jesus is with you. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We're two or three are gathered. Jesus where? I mean, we're family. We're gathered together. Come on. You can do it. And I'm trying everything. And, uh, and he says, and I turn on the hallway light. So now when you, when, I mean, really, his bedroom is you take one step and you grab the car. And now it's not dark anymore. It's just a little dim. And I said, you can do it. And he said, I can do it. And I said, Jesus is with you. And so he goes to the edge of his bedroom. And, and, and he says, um, Dad, are you sure that Jesus is with me? I said, I promise, I promise. And so he says, Jesus, bring the car to me, please. And, uh, and I mean, so I, I, and, and I, being the feet of Jesus, went and got the car for him and gave it to him. And so he, he got his answer to prayer. Uh, but, the, you know, it's not a good place for the darkness is not where, where we are supposed to dwell. And at Christ, at, there, we don't have really Christmas gifts in Russia. We have New Year's gifts. We don't have a Christmas tree. We have 
a New Year's tree. And so uh, well, most churches, I mean, we, we have December 25th is our Christmas and we give gifts and we have a Christmas trees. And, but in the culture, it's a Soviet-style uh, culture still, even some 20 years later. But, and so most students give their teachers a New Year's gift. So one teacher was getting gifts and she knew that one student, her dad worked at a uh, chocolate factory so he gave her a box that was wrapped up and she shook it and says let me guess it's a box of chocolates and and she said it's, and the kid said yeah how'd you know and she said ah just a guess just a lucky guess so the next kid uh, dad works at a florist shop and she kind of feels that it's perfectly wrapped like that and she said it's a plant right and she said how did you know so i'm just a really good guesser and the third one comes and it's a box and but she knows that the dad works at a liquor store and so she's, and she, and it's got like a little liquid out of the corner and she tasted it and she said, oh, it's, you've bought me white wine. And the kid said, no. And she said, well, and, the, and she shakes it and, and more liquid comes out and she, she tastes it and she said, it's not vodka, is it? And the kid said, no. And the teacher said, well, I give up. What is it? And she said, it's a puppy. And, and, and so, listen, there are a number of reasons why, I mean, Ephesians, Ephesians 5.18 says, For you were, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the darkness, but rather expose them. Our place as a church, our, our place as lights, is not to, to be a part of the darkness. It's to make a difference in the darkness. First Thessalonians 5.5 5 says, You are children of the light. And children of the day, we don't belong to the night or to the darkness. First John 1, 5 to 7, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. And finally, Romans 13, 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. And put on the armor of light. You see, sometimes in order to make our lights brighter, we got to clean the dirt off the lens at times. And I, I encourage you, I encourage us that this year, this new year, to, to look at some of our attitudes, some of our actions, some of our thoughts that are actually not the, the actions, deeds, and thoughts of, of, of the light, but rather the darkness. And clean them. Repent of them. Turn from them, and you'll see your candle power increased. You'll see that the, one of the best ways to shine a brighter light is just to remove the dirt from the lens. And lastly, my last point would be, be as bright a light as you can possibly be. Increase your candle power. I love the verse, I love the section of this scripture that says, let your light so shine. Let it so shine. Let it shine so brightly. Jesus gave like a directional command when he says, you are the light of the world. But here he gives a qualitative command. He says, let it, let it so shine. Our, our desire as Christians, as followers of Christ, as people, as people that have asked Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, and we're trying to, to mimic him, and it's, it's our desire is not just to be a, a spark, not just to be like a little flicker, it's to be as bright our light as we can possibly be. It's to, it's to, it's to so shine that we, we're, a, we're a piercing light through the darkness. Do you follow me? 
Uh, a great man, Felix Adler, once said, The hero is the one who kindles the great light in the world, who sets up blazing torches in the dark streets of life for men to see by. But the saint is the one who walks through those very dark paths, himself being a light for others to see by. We are to so shine before men that they'll see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We are to to so shine, to shine so brightly, kind of like a a flame on the lighthouse. In the old lighthouses, we just got like a little flame, but the mirrors around it of the, I call it even the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the magnification of what God does with your light becomes something that saves lives, becomes something that helps a world full of compassless travelers. Do you follow me? We're to be a light, but not just a light, but to be such a bright light that shines, that pierces the darkness. Now, my son taught me a, a great lesson some, some months back. And uh, he, we had, he had this little bracelet. Now, you've seen those little glow-in-the-light bracelets. And, uh, and he loved it. And for some reason, he lost his. And, and, and I found it one time. It was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And, he, and I said, hey, Artur, look at what I found. And he started crying. I thought it, it just didn't make sense that he, was, he would cry after finding that thing. And, and I said, why are you crying? And he's screaming. He's like, it's broke, Daddy. It's broke. It's broke. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, look, it doesn't work. And I said, son, you, you don't know if you'll never be able to tell if this bracelet is, is broken while it's in the light. The way to test if it's working well or not is to, is to put it in the darkness. But... But I can tell you, here's how this bracelet works. The, the longer it's been away from, the, from, the, from light, the less it's going to glow. And I started crying because I really felt like God would speak to me. And I said, son, I know what to do. Come, come with me. And we get up in a chair and we take this little bracelet and we put it right next to the light bulb. And uh, we don't use those fluorescent ones. We're still using the good old ones. I mean, praise God. And um, so we're holding that right, uh, right up to like this 200-watt bulb. And I just, and, and Artur, he's as patient as I am. It's like three seconds. He goes, come on, let's go try it. I'm like, son, no. You know, it's been away from the light some, for some time. We need to hold that up a little bit longer. Let's just, let's just hold it here. Let's just keep it here for a minute. And he's dancing, he's ready. And I said, all right, we're, we're ready. So we go in the bathroom, we shut the door, we turn on the light. And he's jumping up and down. You, I mean, it's glowing, this green glow, you know. And it lasted for about 10 minutes. It really did. It lasted forever, it seemed like. And it's a great lesson here. If you want to, if, if you're not glowing as brightly as, as you feel that God has called you to. And I don't want to condemn, I, I just challenge you. It says, let your light so shine. If you, if, you, if you want to glow brightly in this city, if you want to grow, glow for God more powerfully in your offices, in your schools, put your, get closer to the, to the source of your light. Get closer to the, and stay there for a while and, 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 and receive from him all the light, all the energy that he can possibly give in order for you to have the greatest impact on your areas. You see, there was a, there's a great uh, composer, Joseph Haydn, and he did a he did a, a symphony called the his farewell symphony number no. forty five and it's one of my greatest my favorite pieces of music uh, and uh, I'm not a big classical music fan but uh, this is a great one his uh, his benefactor had come to him this is in the eighteen hundreds and he, and he was going to kind of cut twenty of the musicians that he had he had a troop of about forty people a full uh, full symphony at the time and and the benefactor was trying to he heard that he was going to cut back 
and just get rid of some of the musicians to save money. So Haydn had this great idea, and he came up with this symphony. And what he did is every musician had a, had a candle, and it was lit, and, and, and they played for like 40 minutes. I mean, passionately. It was incredible. It was great. And they're just really playing. And then one by one, about every 10, 15 seconds, one of, them would, one of the musicians would stand up, blow out their light, and walk off stage. And that's how, that's how it went. They were playing, and one first one, and nobody in the crowd knew anything about it, especially the benefactor. And, and all the light on stage was from, these, from the candles. And in fact, the whole room was dark. And one by one, they, they blow out and walk off stage. Haydn is one of the first to leave. And they just, for about five, ten minutes, they just keep playing, one by one, walking away, until there's only two left. And then finally, even the two of them blow out the candle, and they just walk off stage. And there's no encore. And it's just completely quiet and completely dark. And the next day, the benefactor came to Haydn and says, I got it. And Haydn smiles and says, what did you get? And he says, you know what? With the, with, as every person left, the music got worse. As every person left, the music got worse. I could feel it that, when, that, that the composition was, was worse as every musician walked away. And the same is true for us, friends. This, this church needs you. Jesus Christ needs you. This city, your friends and your family need you to be the light that God created you to be. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? Let me pray for you here. Mighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords, it's our greatest desire to see not spiritual darkness take over our city but to see your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven father we desire to see see this city this region change for you we desire to see our families our schools our offices just the our communities around us changed for you god i pray just give us a just a renewed desire to be a light to this to this world Give us a new desire to, to not just even to be just a small, uh, just a flicker, but to just be the, a bright, shining torch that was born for such a time as this. God Almighty, you are the only God. You are the great I am. You are the, there's no other God but you, Jesus. We give you honor and glory. I ask and pray that, especially for those that maybe have, have spent some time away from the light source, you, Jesus. The light in them is, is much more of a, a flicker than it is a, a lighthouse. God, ask and pray. Rush in. Rush in there, Father. Let their glow, be, be, let, that, let, let them be so close to you, so connected to you once again, that, the, that all, the, all the light that you have, all the energy, all the, all the, everything you can give to them will be given, Father, that you would see this church, the people of this church, the individual yous that make up this church, God, ask and pray that they would let their light show so shinely, so brightly shine, Father. They would see a city changed by us, Father. In your mighty, mighty name, Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to take just a second to not let uh, something slip by. We can hear Todd's culture and, and see so much difference between them and us. But the reality is, for the last 20 plus years, study after study after study after study 
has said that our churches, maybe even some of you here today, live your faith through the same three words, just in case. Just in case. We're rubbing shoulders with people who go to church every Sunday or, or several times a month whose faith is just in case. Their candle isn't lit. They're there because of it's the thing we do. It's what we do. And I think this is a, such a timely message for us because even if, you're, if you were here for Christmas Eve and we had the candlelight service, it's so easy for us to trust. And so many of the churches in America have trusted the ability to change our culture by being more creative, more entertaining, more powerful, more whatever in the show on Sundays to draw people here. And we do want to do excellence in those areas. That's not the point. But we will impact our culture much the same as our Christmas Eve candlelight service demonstrates to us. One candle being close enough to another, being close enough in relationship to the people next to you, that the light God has given you, even if it's just a spark, even if you just look at your life and go, man, I just wish God was so much more, God can still use even that small spark in you to light a candle of a person who's close to you to bring them to faith. We'll do what we do. We'll continue to do excellence. But our mission this year, in terms of seeing our culture changed, our lives changed, our neighbors, our family changed will be dependent on how each and every one of us gets close to somebody so they can tip their candle and be lit and experience God for who he is so that their faith is no longer just, because, just in case. Their faith is, I am convinced he is alive. I'm convinced he loves me no matter how messed up I am. I'm convinced he wants to walk with me and save me and heal me and save my family and my friends no matter how messed up we are. Can that be what our goal is this year, that we'll be candles allowing people to tip into ours? Lord, we bless what you're doing among us. We're so grateful for your life among us. We're so grateful that for at least most of us, and I hope all of us, that our faith is not a just-in-case faith. It's a faith based upon the fact that we know you're real. We know you're alive. We know you are who you say you are. Lord, I pray that this year that you would teach each and every one of us to be close to people whose candles are not lit, who are walking in darkness, who are walking in just-in-case kind of faith, and that they would get close enough to us to experience you, the God who is alive, the God who is risen from the dead, the God who is here to heal, to restore, to save, to walk through difficult times with, and that, Lord, our community would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. If you came here and would love somebody to pray for you, we'd be happy to. Happy New Year. Go have fun with your family and with your friends. God bless.